I'm really looking forward to this time with you. We are in the middle of, of a series at the moment on our values, our church's values. So if you are new or visiting with us, um, or even if you've been with us for a while and you're going, you know what, I actually don't know if I know what our values are. Well, over these next few weeks, we're gonna be breaking those down for you. I know last week, Nicole was here and she talked about family. Who was able to hear that message last week? If you didn't get to hear that, I would really encourage you to go and listen to the podcast. Um, but our, our values are this. Before I go and I pray, um, before we get into the message, our values are these five things. And it's love, truth, freedom, family, and others. Love, truth, freedom, family, and others. My husband is going to be with you guys as well, and he's going to speak on love and truth. And he says this line, he says, love without truth isn't love at all, but truth without love isn't received. Let me say that again. Love without truth isn't love at all, but truth without love isn't received. And so he's going to be here and he'll be bringing that word. But what we really know and what I have seen over the years is that when you step into the truth of what Jesus has done for you, when you step into his love, because he is the very being of love, you are able to receive the truth. And as you receive that truth, you actually step into freedom. You know, before we get started in the message, I sense this in, um, in our Brooklyn community as well is that there are many of you that um, in this season and in this time and even over this last week, fear has been riddling you. And you actually are disappointed in yourself because you feel like, I'm not a good Christian because I'm afraid. I'm not a good Christian because I feel like I've let go of the promises. And you're whipping yourself feeling like I'm not good enough. Well, in 1 John, it talks about how God is love and that his perfect love, what does it do? It casts out all fear. And it says that we are being perfected in his love. Now, to be perfected in his love means that the E-D on the end means that it's perfected. We keep walking towards it. It's something that fear is not a bad thing unless you let it remain there. Fear is an indicator of something that is going on in your heart that God needs to come and he needs to perfect. So what areas of your life do you need him to come and perfect? Because this is how we truly step into freedom. And I really sense that there are some of you that you have been dealing with fear. You've been dealing with condemnation. You have been so hard on yourself in the times that we are living in. You're whipping yourself and you're going, I'm just not good enough. I'm not being a good Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, some of you need to allow God to heal the areas of your heart, to let him perfect those areas in his love that you've been trying to self-protect. So who in here, without a keyboard, without any music, <laughs> is going, oh, yeah. I've been a human shield for myself and for my heart. That right now, there are some things you just need to surrender. Can you just lift your hands and say, that's me. I need to surrender. I've been walking in fear. Okay, keep your hands up. It's an act, literally, of surrender because we cannot do this for ourselves. Father, we surrender. We surrender from trying to hold it all together, from trying to do it ourselves. You say that you are love and that your perfect love casts out all fear, fear of the future, fear of what we might become, fear, 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 whatever that looks like. When we're hard on ourselves, when we don't love ourselves, your fear, your, your love casts out all fear. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would release the Father's love in a way that it hasn't been released before into the hearts and lives of every hand that is surrendered to you saying, I'm going to stop doing this for myself. I'm going to let this fear be an indicator that I have an area of my life I need to be perfected in your love. So I ask that you would do that deep work in us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. And Father, 
I give you this time. I give you this message. Father, I ask that you would help me to equip these people to encounter you, to be activated, to go out those doors as followers of Jesus in the times that we are alive and called to be living in and connecting people to your heart. Maybe we, may we be activated to step into the fullness of what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So this morning in this series, my husband will bring you love and truth. I am bringing freedom. <laughs> Ooh, and... Um, <laughs> Nicole talked about family, and then we'll also have a message about others, because the truth is, once you step into love and truth, you are set free, and you realize you're part of this big, beautiful family. You don't want to keep it to yourself. You need to give this away to those that are not yet home. Is that true? Hence, those are our values. <laughs> the gospel is our value. <laughs> so this morning, I just feel like, who, who needs some good news? Is there anyone in here that needs a little bit of good news, possibly with the political climate we're in, with the economic climate that we find ourselves in. I was thinking about all of the things. You know what I love about our church? Is that we're okay to talk about what's really going on. That we're not like, la, 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 la. Why I just did Star Wars, I'm not sure. The death march. It's just a, you know, gets stuck in your head. Um, also, my sons know more about Star Wars than I do. This is weird for me. Okay. They've watched all of them multiple times. But I think about it. I think about the political climate we find ourselves in, the executive orders that are actually causing things to happen for people, the refugee crisis that we see, wars and rumors of wars. Hi, guys, we're living in the Bible. This is all in there. <laughs> like it talks about like, global warming, things, shootings, mass shootings, things going on, anxiety and depression on the rise, suicide, racism, classism, all of these things that we see, a nation divided, a church divided. Death, destruction, fear, all of the things that I was talking about. It's like we are surrounded. I mean, the notifications on my phone for all the different news stations I follow, I'm like, I just want to go be in a safe bubble and not talk to anyone. Anyone like, tempted to do that? Although that's not what we're called to. No bubbles for us as Jesus followers. We are not allowed. <laughs> so who needs some good news? Does anyone need some good news? Because the truth is, <laughs> I need good news. That's why I've been like digging for the good news. And you know what? This is a message that I have lived from, or I've been discovering from 19 years old. The day I gave my life to Jesus, I have been discovering more and more about what this good news is. Because the truth is, is the gospel is freedom. If you walked out on the street and we asked people what they thought freedom was, they would say a lot of different things, would they not? They would. They'd be like, sexual freedom. I just said that in church. Is everyone okay? Yeah, baby. What would you say, Sam? <laughs> I almost had Don McLean come up on this stage. He's Scottish and yell freedom just for fun, just because. <laughs> but if you think about that, if you think about, you know, it would be a lot of different things. It would be spiritual freedom, freedom to do what I want with my body, freedom to say what I want, like freedom, freedom, freedom. What was interesting is a couple years ago, right before she is free, we thought we'd go out on the street and ask people what they thought freedom was. And many of those things were their, answered, but, or were their answers. But what we understand when we are followers of Jesus Christ is that our revolution of freedom is from the inside out is that we are free, our hands are free to love when we are free on the inside, when we are set free from within. But what I have begun to understand with this gospel, the good news is that we have a problem on our hands. 
is that there's a couple of types of gospels that we have preached over the years that have nothing to do with the good news that Jesus came to bring us. And one of them is this, is that we believe in a gospel that we can attain with our bare hands and then have to maintain with our bare hands. So we think we can claw and scratch and be a good enough person, and then we have to claw and scratch and be a good enough person to maintain that gospel. But that's not good news at all. That's a rough life. The other one is this that I, you know, we've all been a part of. See, I love the church. I am called to build her. This is my passion. So I want to do whatever I can. I am not perfect. I am learning every single day. But wherever I feel like, let's bring some alignment there. Let's discover what the true gospel is. Can we ever completely know the full goodness of God until we see him face to face? Probably not. But it is my life's goal to continue to see more revealed of who he is. But I know that oftentimes we're told, you know what, if you feel far from God, if you feel far from God, you've had a bad day or a week or a life, just come to him and he'll rub you on the back and tell you it's all going to be okay. And he's going to bless you and make everything better. But then we walk out those doors and we realize that bad things still happen to good people. And we're going, what am I supposed to do with this? What kind of gospel is that where it's just a rub on the back every once in a while? When I am called to this world to step into the fullness of the gospel, into freedom here on this earth, and then give away what has been given to us. But so often we can get focused on the world around us that we have forgotten that Jesus came to set our hearts free within us to release the kingdom of heaven around us. He didn't come to deal with the symptoms of the problems we face. He came to deal with the root of the problem. John 3. Let's go to John 3. We're going to start with verses 1 through 10. John 3, verses 1 through 10. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he was one of the religious elite at the time, the ones that actually ended up being a part of crucifying Jesus. He was one of these people. They had to hide. If any of them wanted to ask Jesus any questions, they pretty much needed to hide the fact that they were interested in this revolution that he was bringing about. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Isn't that interesting? We know. So Nicodemus had to come under the cover of night so that no one would see what he was doing, so he wouldn't get in trouble from the religious people. He had to go and hide and then talk on behalf of we, which is a group of people within that are going, okay, you're messing everything up, buddy. We have all these laws, all these rules, but what you're doing, it's messing with what we know. Thanks, Sam. He's amening me as well down there, you guys. Liberty Live, my son is here, if you're wondering who I'm talking to. (laughs) Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, I love Jesus' reply. He's not like, yeah, right on. You're so smart. Good job. He just says this. Very truly, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He drops this line that it's like, okay, that, what? (laughs) That makes no sense. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born again. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. So let's stop there for a moment. This in the time, the Jewish people and the, the leaders of the time understood the power of water. So I love that Jesus was speaking to something he would know. Water was used for cleansing. So he's saying, you must be cleansed. 
You must be born again of water. Now think about when we all have been in our mother's womb. We each have one, otherwise we are not here. And in the mother's womb, there is water. So even to be born again means you go, you start fresh. Born again in the water to be cleansed, to be made new, and of the spirit. You're given a new spirit, born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And then Nicodemus said this, how can this be? How can this be? You know what? This is my hope and my prayer as your pastor is that you would be a people where you would sit and hear the word of God and throughout the week, you would be asking the same question to God. How can this be? That you would walk out those doors and you would wrestle with the truth. You would read it for yourself. You would go, I don't understand what she's saying or why this is important. I don't get it. I want you to be people who wrestle with the truth. And I tell you what, in these last few years, I have been really wrestling what the truth of the gospel means. And I have come to the conclusion that this freedom that we speak of is in and within the fullness of the gospel. It is walking in this good news. It is understanding it deeper and deeper as we are perfected in his love day after day. As things pop up in our lives, whether it's control or manipulation or fear or anger, oh, that popped up. What am I not perfected in your love, God? Let me step into the fullness of the gospel. So we've been wrestling with this. And I I told you, I think it was at Vision Sunday, Tyler Pines, we are having the best time. (laughs) Thanks, babe. And we've been having like these amazing email conversations and these conversations around the table because he's helping check my theology for the book that I've written because who knows that you need people that will tell you the truth in your life. And so we've had these emails back and forth. I just want to share it to you because we've been talking about the gospel. We need to explore what Nicodemus was saying because he was saying, how can this be? Well, let's, let's go there for a minute. How can this be? Why is this important? Let me just put some of Tyler's words up there. Why do we need to be born again? The answer is found in the very beginning, the creation and the fall of man as described in Genesis. God formed man from the dirt and breathed his image, the breath of life, into us for a purpose, to reproduce his image and cover the earth in his glory. Just stop there for a moment and think about the fact that God created us in his image to go make love and reproduce the image of love, his glory, all around the earth. That was the original intent, that the earth would be filled with his glory, which is us produced in his image. When Adam and Eve were deceived into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God promised would surely kill them, the very first result described was that they realized they were naked. So the killing God had spoken of was the death of his image in them, his spirit. And the fruit of spiritual death was self-consciousness. Anyone ever notice that in yourself? Just a little bit of self-consciousness? Whoa, I need to be perfected in your love. (laughs) Self-consciousness. For just one chapter earlier, the Bible notes that Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. From that point on, mankind was born into the sin of Adam, forced to toil for protection and provision, no longer preoccupied with reproducing God's image from love, but instead seeking for himself, cut off from love. The good news is Jesus came to restore the image of God into man and redeem their created value, connecting us back to love. Is everyone doing okay? That's like, okay. I've been, I'm going to sit on that for the rest of my life. John three sixteen through 21. 
This is not just a signpost to be brought to football games or an angry person yelling in Times Square that you just want to go and hug and say, please put that down. <laughs> For God so loved, he is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that they may be, so they may seen, be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. How many of you know, let's just stop there for a moment. Even if you've given your life to Jesus and you're on that journey of sanctification, being perfected in his love, that a lot of times we don't bring things into the light because we're afraid. But how many of you know that the moment you bring the truth into the light, even though you are scared out of your mind, that is the moment that it has no authority in the darkness anymore? When we step into the light and are born again, we step into our created value, and in turn, we step into freedom. The gospel is the good news that we are born again, that we are cleansed, and that our spirits are renewed and born again. And then begins the journey of being perfected, I love you too, being perfected, in his love, being perfected in his love. You know, while I was just marinating on this and really getting ready to, to write this message, I went to bed really early one night, which for us, you know, once we get the kids to bed, Paul and I just kind of want to hang out. So then we stay up way too late. And, um, but this night we were both tired. And so we went to bed really early, but I was laying there and the Holy Spirit just kept speaking to me about the gospel, about what he has done, about how good. So that night I, I went from 1030 to two in the morning and just sat on the couch and wrote and listened and prayed and turned on worship. And I was like, can I go to bed now? And yeah, so went to bed and the next morning I woke up with a picture and a lot of times God speaks to us all very differently and sometimes we hear it audibly or it's like a whisper or just a feeling or a knowing. Um, sometimes I see in pictures, not necessarily a physical picture, but a picture in my mind's eye. And I literally sat up that morning at six in the morning to a picture of a full house, like this beautiful house. It was like my dream house. I saw it, the detail was beautiful. It was like he knew the desires of my heart and I couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. But I was standing on the sidewalk and it had this big, beautiful lawn, and I was on the outside looking in. I was just looking at it. And he said, this is salvation for many people. I have bought the whole house, every room, all of its contents, all of the good things and the treasures that are within it are bought, paid for, and they're yours to go and discover and walk in and have and receive and then show other people how to go and step into their house that they didn't have to pay for. But oftentimes what we do is we stand on the outside looking in with keys in our pocket going, ah, I don't deserve to go in there. I shouldn't go in there. That was bought for someone else. I'm not good enough. I'm actually a little scared to go walk around in the rooms because I might discover something that confronts my belief system. I might discover something that brings me to my knees. I might have to reveal some things in those rooms and bring other people with me. I might have to go there. And we understand that that room, see, that room, that house is like salvation. You know, for me, I got saved when I was 19 years old. And I was totally messed up. Our family grew up in the worst environment. We are so redeemed and restored. It's crazy. 
that I have the relationship that I have with my parents and that we have as a family. But the truth is, is I grew up pretty broken. So at 19 years old, when I gave my life to Jesus, I knew that I was washed and I was cleansed and I would be made new. That day I felt so clean. I felt so clear. I read out of Isaiah, it was like, you know, snow coming down. Like I just, I just felt amazing. And then over time, what you begin to discover is that things begin to be revealed that you haven't allowed, we have not allowed God to come and perfect in his love. Three kids under the age of three living in Sydney. And I find myself in one of the darkest seasons of my entire life. I, uh, I love my babies, like so much. But I was in the darkest place on the verge of an absolute breakdown. I said more times than I would like to admit to my husband, I believe that I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. And I said it so much, I believe it started to happen. Had this breakdown, I was deep in depression. I was still feeding my youngest daughter and I had toddlers basically and a newborn baby. And I just wasn't doing good. And the things that became my vices, the ways that I protected myself, it was like that house that was mine was there, but I didn't know or I was scared to go into it to discover the truth. And so the way I protected myself was with absolute fear, unforgiveness. I refused to forgive all the people that hurt me. That protected me. That I refused to forgive. It was control and manipulation. I could control every situation. I could do things. I, was, oh, I tried to control every situation, even my own children. Having three kids under the age of three, that will... Yeah, if control is an issue for you, yeah. I wore shame like a blanket. I isolated myself from people, but I'll tell you what I did at church. Hey, makeup totally on, holding all my kids. So good to see everybody. Then I would go back home, and I was a nightmare to live with. Absolute nightmare. I remember one morning where um, my daughter, she, um, she nursed for a year because she refused to take a bottle so I could go nowhere. Um, and I remember laying there and Paul was already gone to work and I'm laying in the bed and it was just the darkness was closing in. Had the windows shut, didn't want the light to come in, didn't, you know, had my door closed, but I could hear my daughter crying and she needed me. And I remember this moment where I couldn't even get out of bed. I was so dark, I was so depressed, and I rolled out onto the floor. And I just laid there. She was screaming and I didn't know what to do. And I was so desperate, because I didn't even like myself. How can I give love if I don't like me? And I remember laying there, and this doesn't happen often, although it would be rad if it happened every day. But as I laid there on my knees, it was like the Holy Spirit came like a blanket and just wrapped himself around me. It was like Jesus got on his knees next to me and rubbed my back and wept with me. And Father God came in this all-encompassing covering. It was like his wings just came and covered me, and I felt so covered and protected. And I felt the Spirit of God say, it's here in this place with us in the middle of our love and our truth that you will find freedom. You will discover the fullness of the gospel here, here with us, connected to love. You will not, you're not perfect and we're okay with that. You're crazy and you yell and scare your children. They will forgive you one day because you will ask for it a lot. But right there, 
in that place I discovered that this was the way that I discovered the goodness of what is in the house that is all for me. That I have to be willing to go to places that are sometimes dark, to go into a room that I'm afraid to go in, to discover the truth about something where he will reveal and show me his kindness and his goodness and cover me and set me free, the fullness of his gospel. It is all ours by grace, not by what we can purchase. He purchased it for us. And if we don't understand what the good news is, we'll believe and come into agreement with lies and then we will believe we have to live a life in agreement with these lies in bondage and sometimes having only glimpses of freedom. To be born again is to begin life anew in relation to God. Our manner of thinking, feeling, acting with orientation to spiritual things, undergoing a necessary foundational and permanent revolution, a revolution of our inner being. Jesus brought a revolution, but not the kind that people thought he would bring. He didn't come to overthrow the government of the day, but to revive every man, woman, and child's inner being, connecting us back to the heart of the Father, the one whose image we are created in, to be bearers of his image here on earth. When we are born again, we begin to relearn everything as we walk in our new found freedom. And that's why we've got to understand the difference for us. I started to think about because a lot of times what we think freedom is, I mean, like I said, is that list I went through, a lot of different things. Well, freedom is this, and freedom is this, and freedom is this. But then I started thinking about how does someone in abject poverty who's a follower of Jesus expect to have a house one day or expect that everything's going to come together and that means God really loves me? And when my life looks perfect and I'm no longer a refugee or I'm no longer in a war-torn country, or I'm no, how do they remain followers of Jesus? because it is a revolution from within. But if we're expecting God loves me, if he pats me on the back more and gives me what I want and tells me, no, 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 we are missing the point of the goodness of the gospel and the freedom that he has given us from the inside out. And when we are free on the inside, man, the times we are living in need the good news. But as long as we're trying to fix it in all of these ways and we forget that it starts here, then what do we have to give to anybody? We have exactly what the world is desperate for right now. And we are so consumed with ourselves and being right and yelling and screaming. But man, if we would pull it together on the inside, we would connect people to the heart of the Father. Because what do people need when races are divided and nations are divided and I don't like this and I don't like that? It has to start here or we're all in trouble. And if the church can't pull it together and be equipped and activated to be tellers and bringers of the good news of the kingdom of heaven, then what is the point? I love you. <laughs> I love it. Galatians 5, 13 through 23, it's absolutely clear. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Why? Because our freedom is not out here, you guys. Our freedom starts here. For every 
Oh, ah, use your freedom to serve, rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Does this world need us to serve it right now? No, that's not a rhetorical question. Does this world need us to serve it right now with love, real love, the good news? Yes, it does. That's how freedom will grow on this earth. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. This is why we have to start within. Let's stop there for a moment. If you don't love yourself, if you're like me, that girl on the floor who didn't like who she was, who couldn't be a good mother or wife or leader or person on the planet because I was so trying to control and protect my own world, then we need to ourselves go, I'm going to go in that house. I'm going to go discover why all of these things are my protectors instead of you, God. Why am I not allowing you to perfect me in your love? Because once he perfects you, you're like, dang, I'm awesome. Because I'm made in your image. And you are love, and therefore I am love. And I love who you made me to be. So I have something to give away that is a stamp of who you are. But you have to like yourself. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. It's no, in no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? My counsel is this. Live freely. Animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Anyone wake up with different feelings this morning than they did yesterday? Hello? That's why we've got to be aware. Feelings are not a bad thing, but they tell us something about what is going on inside of us. What needs to be perfected within us. So pay attention and go, whoo, that's ugly. That's scary. That's freaking me out. Father, come into this moment with me. What do you want to say to me here? Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, and um, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, which I do not want to happen, I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? This is the fruit of the Spirit, and this is the message if you're wondering what I'm reading from. He brings gifts into our lives much way that the fruit appears on an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So we got to ask ourselves this question. It's absolutely, it's absolutely clear. 
God wants us to live a free life, but what is freedom? It is being perfected in his love. It is walking in his image. It's being bearers of his image. It's giving away what we have. The gospel, the good news is freedom. And it's not just for us to keep, it's for us to give away. But here's the deal. We've got to ask ourselves, is the kingdom outside of us? And I say this all the time. Is the kingdom outside of us dictating the kingdom or the spirit within us? Or is the kingdom or the spirit within us transforming the kingdom outside of us? I will say this over and over and over again until we get it. This has to change so this can change. It has to. And it's a lifelong journey, so don't be hard on yourself. Be perfected in his love. Wake up, go, what do you need to make perfect in me today, God? Why she is free? Why do we do this? Why do we gather? Uh, a few years ago, my husband was looking at me, and, and, and he, he said, you know what? You're withholding something. I was like, don't speak to me that way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, you're withholding something for the women in New York City and beyond. You're withholding something. And I was like, I would like you to not see so clearly right now. <laughs> for years, I had wrestled with this. See, I was a woman who operated in control and manipulation and fierce anger that scared the people around me, including my husband, who would take the children away from me at times. I had, uh, uh, honestly, the shame I walked in kept me separated from people, isolation from, from people, and even my husband, isolating myself from everyone I loved. See, I used to operate in that, but then when I started to step into the house that was bought for me, when I started to discover that God is not a mean God who I'm a donkey and there's a carrot out in front of me that he's like, good luck getting the gospel, Get, good luck getting freedom and the good news. He's like, no, that's for you, all of it, the whole house. When I learned how to not be afraid to confront my issues and get on my knees and go into all the rooms of the house, guess what? I started to walk in a way that was like really awesome and I could have become selfish in that moment. He said, you know what, you're withholding and you need to give this away. See, why do we gather for she is free? Did I want to start a conference? Absolutely not. Nobody wants to use all your he human resources that takes a toll. Hello, I'm like, hey, guess what? You guys are helping us. You're like, yay, what does that mean? <laughs> means you get to get on your knees and serve other people. What? You know, like, I, I don't want to do these things that cost money and human resource and all of these things unless it is something that God wants. And what I started to understand is that he bought this whole house for me, and I want other people to understand that they can walk into their own house that we are set free and God is not cruel. He doesn't withhold. He has everything for you if you want to step into it. See, we as she is free, what do we exist for? Why did I start this? Why freedom? Why is it the thing I'm most passionate about? Because a lot of us are fakers. I don't want to pay for it, so no, I'm just true. <laughs> I tithe. <laughs> Sorry, we're having a little conversation up here. Um, see, the thing is, though, and this is what I learned because I was the greatest faker of them all. I said, I don't want to lead a church of fakers. I want to lead a community of people that are bold enough to bring the darkness out into the light, to run into that house that was bought for them, scared out of their minds, discovering every room, and then going, okay, this is so selfish to keep this for myself. I have got to give this away to every single human on the planet. 
So we started, so this is it. What do we exist for as she is free? We exist to equip and activate women to walk in freedom and see others set free. We exist to equip and activate women to walk in freedom and, and see others set free. Why do we exist as Liberty Church? Leave that up there. Let's just remove just the women part. We exist to equip and activate humanity, New Yorkers, people wherever God calls us to, to walk in freedom, the goodness of the gospel and see others set free. For crying out loud, God gave my husband and I the same name for our church. It's called Liberty Church. This was not our idea. We weren't like brainstorming good ideas. I think God wants us to walk in the fullness of the gospel, to be real people who will stand in the grit and won't be afraid of tough conversations and bring unity and love and truth in the times that we're living in and present the gospel and the good news. So wish she is free. Honestly, it's just that I knew as a woman, I had some certain issues that I wanted to give away to other women. And do you know what I love about our church is really, we're just alongside each other. I could call it, we are free and just change it tomorrow. <laughs> But I love that our men are there. I love some of the best parts that set women free were the men that worshiped, the men that led, the men that greeted them on their doors in their suits and their ties, the men that said, welcome to this place where barriers fell down and women understood. See, this is a house of equality. Why? Because we're equal in God's image. Not because I have anything to fight for, but I have something to step into. And so this is it. I want to show you, we, we, we made these cards. Does anyone have one? We have these postcards back there. Cody will get me one, and I will show it to you. <laughs> In a minute, I'm going to show you the recap video from last year from She is Free. Mainly because I just want you to see what's on our house. We have a responsibility as reconcilers, every single one of us. So we make things like this where we have a postcard, and um, it says New York State of Mind on it because who doesn't want to come here? All of your friends that don't live here, they want to come here. <laughs> and a letter from me on the back, but room for you to write a note and send to your friends and put a stamp on and send it to them and invite them to an encounter. See, I want to create a space, a place of intimacy where people connect with the heart of God and then are equipped and activated to go out the doors and give away what they have just received. And so I, I will never lead a conference we together will lead an encounter that will transform people's lives so that the world will not be the same place as we left it. So I'm just going to show you this video and then I'm going to begin to bring this message to a close just so you can understand the heart and the why of when we have the gospel and the good news, we cannot keep it to ourselves. So just have a look. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have touched with our hands, this is the word of life. This life was revealed to us and we have seen it and testify about it. You have made the life of each woman here a declaration of freedom. You have shown her your heart that she is unconditionally loved. She is overwhelmingly, inexhaustibly loved. She is victoriously, irreversibly, inescapably loved. Her guilt and shame removed. She is restored as a royal daughter. Having trampled the lies of fear and doubt, she is more than a conqueror. Having linked arms with her sisters, she no longer battles alone. 
Having joined in the miraculous, she is a miracle, a declaration, a truth bearer, a peacemaker. She is a prayer warrior, a grace ambassador, a freedom proclaimer, a spiritual mother. She is altogether beautiful and powerful, a sign and a wonder. She is brave, vibrant, and fearless. She is bold. She is courageous. She is free. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.